our average IRR is over 40% right now for our exits. And this one will be 10, 12% IRR. So it hurts the average, <laughs> but in this market, owning less than two years, making any money, I, I feel is a, a huge win. So let's, let's take what we can get. Let's hedge our risk. You know, that's what it's all about. Hedging risk, put a small win on the board and, and move on. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is David Lilly. He's the founder and CEO of Reap Capital. They have 785 units under management, over 100 million uh, in, in those assets of value. Uh, grown to uh, it's grown to include Reap Management and Reap Construction, which you're going to hear him talk about bringing in-house uh, in the show. Uh, began in real estate in 2013, uh, but you know purchased their uh, six their first multifamily property, a six unit in 2018, uh, and then started to scale uh, quickly since then. He's a, a military guy, which you'll hear me reference as well, infantry in the, uh, infantry man in the Marines. Uh, he's been deployed numerous times uh, in uh, yeah, Baghdad and uh, even uh, the Philippines and doing, he was a firefighter. So a first responder as well, which I can relate to. So uh, I love having these guys and gals on who have served and, and are now you know, doing big things uh, as business owners uh, also. So you're going to learn a lot from David today, uh, including why uh, sell, he's selling a project right now. And some people say, oh, you shouldn't be selling right now. Well, uh, you're going to hear why uh, I think he's making the right decision at the sale right now. And he's going to talk through that process. So whether you're active or passive, I hope you will uh, listen and especially hear that part of the show. David, welcome to the show. Honored to have you on. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service uh, to our country. Uh, I just always want to honor our veterans and, and I'm grateful uh, for the sacrifice made. So thank you for that, just first and foremost. Uh, second, and I'm looking forward to diving into uh, the growth, right, that you all have had. You've built a, a you know, real estate, really private equity firm, right, and, and hired the right people, and you've you've moved fast. And, and that's what everybody wants to know. All that, I get questions all the time. How did you all scale so fast? Or, uh, you know, what was the key things that you did? And I want to dive in to some of those same things with you. I know many of the listeners I want to know how you have done that. Uh, and we're going to talk about some specific projects uh, also uh, and maybe something that's happening soon within their portfolio. So, uh, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Whitney. Yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Oh, well, let's do that. Let's jump into. I know the uh, you know you started transacting real estate what in 2013 or so, but really the first syndication right. was uh, was 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk about that process from 13 to 18. You know why you know why start syndicating and and maybe uh, you, you had mentioned even before recording it took a while to get off the ground. Maybe highlight some things there. Uh, you know. The, the struggle maybe to get it mm -hmm. you know pushed off the ground like you mentioned uh, and then we'll go from there yeah so 2013 bought a single family home um leverage a VA loan so lived in it you know for the first year or two and then bought the second home and started renting the first one out so I was a firefighter at the time you know making making a decent wage but you know I was using that kind of that hack to start a real estate portfolio and and slowly grow. And, you know, prior to that, I had always been drawn to real estate. You know, um, I had the very simple kind of view in mind that, you know, why, why pay down someone else's mortgage? You know, why not pay down my own? You know, I, I felt like rent was just throwing away money. Maybe, maybe a different story these days, but that's, that's what got me into it. 
after, you know, the first couple of years went well, you know, I was getting a couple hundred dollars a month. The next, you know, next decision was, okay, how do I scale, continue to do this or jump into something with a little more economy of scale, you know, multifamily. And I had the opportunity to take, take a job working overseas, making really good money, which enabled me to jump into that first six unit property in Tampa in 2018. So Founded the firm in 2017, based in Dallas. So Dallas was very hot market back in those days. Hard earnest money was uh, the name of the game. Really couldn't win a deal without it. So at the time, you know, none of my offers included that. I offered a bunch in Dallas, you know. So it took me six months or so to land that first deal, and that was because I chose to look into another market with the same kind of fundamentals and growth metrics, but you know, lower barrier to entry, no hard earnest money. And so that led me to Tampa and Phoenix, you know, first, first and second acquisitions. Awesome. Uh, well, it's, you know, it sounds like you took uh, action there to, or even took a different job, right? To higher income. Uh, and then you were purposeful with that income buying the six unit. Uh, you know, how did you get to the, you know, the deal in 2018, that first syndication? What was that? Mm-hmm. Maybe give us, a de- you know, some details of that project and just how you pulled that together. Yeah. So at that point, I had kind of identified my large markets where I was focused, uh, really kind of pivoted away from Dallas because, you know, I just couldn't get any offers accepted. So I was really looking in in Phoenix and, and Tampa metros, kind of really Florida, Florida as a whole, you know, just scour all the broker websites, uh, also LoopNet. And then, you know, I'd, I'd find a deal, you know, underwrite it. And if it made sense, you know, I'd, I'd do some more kind of due diligence on the whatever submarket it was in. And so that Tampa deal just happened to work. You know, the, the numbers looked great. Caught it when it first came on a market and, you know, made a made an offer immediately and worked out. Tell me about your team then, you know, to get that first deal done. It was really just me, me and the business and, you know, a couple really it was a, a friend of mine. Um, was one of the investors, a colleague of his, and and my parents. So that one, that one, not a true syndication. It was really a JV. You know, we yeah. all we all had voter interest. You know, titles titles in the company. Yeah, that was really the first time we had pulled money together yeah. <clears throat> to execute an acquisition. Now you yeah. did it. That's a, that's incredible. Uh, you know, to, what was the timeline from the first one to the second one? Uh, a couple months. Yeah. So the the second one. We bought, I want to say it was August. I think we closed in November of that same year. So yeah, I mean, the, the next one landed in our lap a couple of weeks after closing, I think, if I recall. I hear that so often. It's so interesting. Like, it's such a grind to get to the first one, right? We're like scrambling and pulling people together. You never imagined, you know, I mean, just making calls you never thought and going places. And, and then all of a sudden... Uh, yeah, yes. that's that's a fun story. I mean, we had we had so much interest from our friends and family, like our networks after we bought that first one, you know, no one no one had heard about that kind of investing. And so the next one fell in our lap. We were like, oh, this will be super easy to raise 450,000, you know. We'll we'll do that easy. I mean, we we barely <laughs> got that thing closed. So, you know, speak to I mean, so just so the listeners uh, are reminded again, like you all I mean, I mean, you've grown fast, you know, right? You know, mm-hmm. since then, and uh, you know, what was it? Uh, 100 million in assets, summer, 785 units. That's what's in your bio, anyway. But speak to some of the critical things that allowed you to scale, or maybe the things you. Uh, let's start there. 
critical things that allowed you to scale quickly? I mean, it's definitely doing doing all the little things um, well. You know, all all the little things matter. You know, they add up to to big results. I I think I'm fortunate in that I do most things pretty well. You know, so I was able. Really, it was a one man show until beginning of 2022 uh, when I brought on my first full time full time guy. So prior to that, you know, I had partnered with with other kind of other sponsors on deals. Um, no one haven't didn't partner with anyone in the, the actual business, but you know, kind of partnered on deals. But really, you know, all the all the grunt work was you know my burden to bear. And so getting to 2022 and, and bringing on that first full time hire was a long road. So your your first full time hire was in 2022, and who and what position was that? That was so he wore a couple of hats, uh, acquisitions and um, investor relations. Okay. And so now, now he's really more full time, just just investor relations that we have. We've got you know a full time acquisitions guy, ten full time people on the corporate side. So within the last year, then you've hired ten people or nine or yeah, ten this, people. Yeah, this last year has been been a big year uh, in terms of hiring. So, but we also that includes property management staff and construction. So, you know, we, we vertically integrated with property management last year and construction beginning of this year. So that includes uh, some of those team members as well. So last year was major. Yeah. All right. What, uh, you know, what was some of the biggest challenges, uh, say, last year or this year? I mean, bringing management in-house and, and construction. I mean, that's some big um, you know, things to vertically integrate, especially mm-hmm. even at hundred million, right? That sounds like a lot, but, but to bring that in house, that's difficult, uh, you know, until it you is. even have a lot more scale. It is. Yeah. Property management has been probably the, we've had the most growing pains construction. Fortunately, you know, the, the, the first guy I hired was just fantastic still is. And, um, you know, he's just taking it and running with it. Um, property management has been a little more challenging. And frankly, I think it's just a tougher job. You know, it's it's really make it or break it in, in any investment. So growing that company has been difficult, but um, it's been good for us. You know, it's made us much better on the operator side because we're way more in the weeds on property management than we would have been had we outsource it to a third party, you know. And maybe it's too early to know this, but uh, but I just wonder, like you know, uh, bringing property management in house, it can be a it can be a major distraction too. We've experienced it <laughs> firsthand, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we have, and and it's uh, I, I uh, you know, part of me says, you know what, we probably could have done more deals if we didn't bring property management in house. You know, is that what? Would you feel that way? I don't know if that would necessarily be the case. Uh, we've kind of we've had our foot on the gas pretty well, but yeah. I mean, it has it has uh, taken some of my focus, you know. So, into maybe maybe we'd have more investors, or uh, would have networked more, or whatever, you know, those those type of functions. Had I not been spending a lot of my time dealing with property management issues, you know, and building out that company, that I mean, that's certainly true. What about some of the maybe crucial hires over the last two years? Maybe outside of property management, um, you know, in construction, anybody else, uh, you know, that that was like, man, this really helped us. This position, or maybe this person's skill sets, you know, helped mm-hmm. us to move quickly. Yeah. So the the first critical hire for the property management company was a, a vice president of operations. She got us through, you know, this this 
really challenging year. And I guess it's been about three months ago, we brought on a, our first regional manager under her to kind of just share some of the, the workload, you know, and she's, she's been a real crit- critical hire because now the, the VP can focus on more VP stuff and not being distracted with regional type duties, you know. So that's been a critical hire. And then just, you know, the construction staff, I mean, having, having that in-house um, and the, the suit, one of our superintendents, probably the most critical hire, because he's the guy uh, assembling all the crews on site. And, you know, he's just been fantastic. So, you know, all, really all the construction team, but those, those couple positions, certainly uh, yeah. very important. Any uh, unique ways you approach hiring? Uh, you know, just I mean, either we've talked about the hiring process many times on the show. I've gone through our hiring process, and it's probably even changed since then. But, but you know, any unique ways that you approach hiring? So you're hiring, you know, top talent. Yeah, I try to hire uh, from my network, people that I've known for a long time, people that I know to be talented, and and the most important thing is people that I can trust. I mean, you can you can find people with great resumes all day and then they get on board and there's no telling what's going on behind the scenes. And it takes, I mean, for me, I don't really trust anyone. It would take years until I truly trust someone. So I've been fortunate to be able to hire people that I like knew internally, like in my internal network prior to bringing them on. So that trust is already there. So most, most of the guys on the reap capital team, uh, they had no experience or they were very entry level, but, you know, I've taken the time to, to train them up, um, and teach them. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, you know, hire, hire the character and then build them to who you want them to be essentially. Yeah. You can't, you can't teach character often, yeah, right. Especially exactly. on the job, <laughs> you need them to come with that, uh, uh for sure. Uh, I I think it's a missed opportunity often uh, that uh, people don't uh, search their own network, right? For for key hires, uh, and often, uh, and I would say it hasn't worked uh, for me uh, every time or, or too often. But uh, when you can get referrals, uh, you know, it, it it just pushes you a lot further down the road, right? Or people like you Absolutely. said that you, way you've done it, where you already knew them. Uh, you know, you've already had a relationship for a number of years in one way or another uh, that. Uh, you know, you, there's already this major trust component, right? Uh, and that's, you know, oftentimes in, I know in our interview processes, I can uh, I can ask somebody about job-specific things and they may know that, right? Like the back of their hand, but boy, it's hard to judge character, right? <laughs> Through, uh, you know, even a few hours, you know, right of an interview, it's or even numerous interviews, it's hard to really know, you know, that you can trust somebody. Uh, and it's a risk, obviously, you take. Uh, you have to take sometimes, but you're way down the road if it's somebody you've already spent time with for a long, for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about, uh, I know there's a project you and I discussed, you all have had a number of exits as well, uh, you know, in, in the last few years, but you got another one coming up. Um, and I wanted to, cause this has been a question as well from, from listeners and from other people. It's like, you know, should we still consider selling right now, you know, depending on the market or what? And so, you know, my question to some guests have been like, okay, what are some of the reasons you know, that you are selling or that you would consider to sell or, and actually you all are selling something. So maybe you can walk through that project a little bit uh, and, you know, you know, why you would consider selling right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've exited our first five deals. This is deal number six that we acquired exiting um, and coming up February will be two years of ownership. So pretty quick turnaround. Two years is also um, coincidentally, you know, typically how long you buy that first rate cap for. So our, our rate caps coming due February. We've, we've got the money escrowed with lender already to purchase a replacement, but you know, that gives us one year. Um, there's no telling. I mean, money's on the fed lowering rates considerably next year, but I'm not comfortable taking that chance. Um, with a one year extension, you know, we could be back in the same boat here from February, which I don't want to be the, so the other consideration was refinance. We had an unexpected, a couple of unexpected events with this property, uh, a dozen units were taken down uh, from a hundred year flood. And so that affected occupancy. And then we had to replace the entire gas line system of the whole property, which resulted in more vacancy. So, you know, we weren't at a point where the property had seasoned long enough for us agency debt. And on top of that, you know, treasuries have skyrocketed over the past couple of months coming down lately, fortunately, but it just, now was not the time to refinance. And then who knows where we're going to be in February? You know, it's it's still too volatile. We had the opportunity. Uh, we had an offer come in. Decent. I mean, our our average IRR is over 40% right now for our exits. And this one will be 10, 12% IRR. So it hurts the average. <laughs> it hurts the average. But in this market, owning less than two years, making any money, I, I feel is a, a huge win. So really all those things were kind of came into play when making the decision, you know, to let's, let's take what we can get, let's hedge our risk. You know, that's what it's all about hedging risk. So yeah, put a, put a small win on the board and and move on. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate your transparency because I think it's helpful for everyone listening. Uh, and I, I think uh, there's probably many that, should listen closely to what you just said. <laughs> you know that are that are that have properties right now, right? They have that rate cap that's coming due, uh, you know, or whatever it may be, uh, and they need to minimize risk, right? We uh, there's uh, man, we we hate to see maybe a lower IRR return metric, you know, actual to investors than maybe we even than we projected, of course, right? But I, I think you're you're wise, right? To to minimize the risk. Now's the time to act, especially you know if if you're thinking capital calls or anything like that, you better do it now because, you know, if, if we're in a major recession next year, which I think we probably will be, investors are going to be much less likely to, to pony up any, any capital at that point. So yeah, if you're in a position well, you need to do it, you better do it now. I think there's going to be, there'll be more projects too, or more operators, right. That are having to sell. Uh, and so there's, yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot or be more on the market to pick from <laughs> to some extent, uh, you know, in a negative way for a number of operators. And it'd be better to sell before there's a ton of blood in the street, including your own. Right. <laughs> you know, to minimize the risk. One thing you mentioned, you said uh, 12 units were taken down uh, from a 100 year flood. Uh, I wanted to learn from that a little bit. Uh, speak to that. What happened there a little bit so the listeners and I can be yeah, aware. Fortunately, um, you know, uh, I think five buildings are kind of barely touched the floodplain. So we had flood insurance on them. You know, we ended up, it was a net positive for us, you know, for the proceeds we got. 
Um, and it was actually 13 units. So, you know, it was just a major flood in the area. Uh, 13 units had water damage to varying degrees, you know, some worse than others, but you know, it just, we had right before that happened, we had kind of already turned the property around, retented it, got it to a stable occupancy and then, you know, had 13 units go down. So we, it was this kind of back and forth for a little while. So, um, but that's, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, yeah. Interesting. What, what would you do different from that experience say on properties moving forward? Um, not buying a floodplain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting uh, or unfortunate, right? To own it during that time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but man, lesson learned. Uh, well, I'm thankful you all have it under contract, and I, I think you're making the right move just to minimize the risk uh, for you and and your investors. Uh, no doubt about it, um, David. What would you say is uh, you know other than maybe deal flow? Uh, what was it? What's a big challenge right now uh, for you all? It's hiring, especially on the property management side of the business. Um, I mean, that's that's the main the main growing pain for us. We've had a lot of turnover just because it's been difficult to find surprisingly people, you know, entry level uh, property managers that are okay getting paid $60,000, $70,000 a year, which sounds crazy to me, but it's, yeah, it's tough to find people that, that want to work hard for that wage. So it's, it's been a challenge for us to staff those positions surprisingly. Is there a way you're finding people or uh, that you all see being able to we do a lot of, yeah, a lot of re- referrals. Like you said, you know, we've got, we have people that have come from other companies and they've worked with a lot of people and, you know, they, they'll, you know, people that they enjoyed working with in the past, you know, approach them, see if they're looking to make a jump, you know, that, that sort of thing, or, you know, LinkedIn, we rely on LinkedIn job postings a lot indeed those, you know, those platforms. All right, David, uh, a few final questions as we come towards the end of our time here, but uh, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Word of mouth, really. It's, it's always been word of mouth. We've been doing, um, we've been stepping up our, our marketing uh, this year. So ads and various newsletters, um, you know, making podcasts, things like this are priority. We've done a cold email campaign, which, um, which has been effective really for the cost. So that's, that's one thing that's probably not on a lot of people's radar, but if you're doing 506 C, you know, then just make sure you're not violating any securities laws, but it's been, it's been pretty good for us. It's, it's interesting, you know, emailing 10, 20,000 people a month kind of thing. So you'd like buy a list and blast an email. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, that's interesting. Worth a try, I would think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know what the results would be, but it's, uh, I mean, it's too, too early to tell how cost effective it'll be versus another, another avenue. But yeah, yeah. We're, we're stepping up the marketing across the board. What's your best advice for passive investors right now? I mean, evaluate the sponsor for sure. I mean, like you said, character is really hard to really get a grasp on. Um, one of my pitches is, you know, I've I've spent a lot of my adult life in high stress environments from uh, firefighter to diplomatic security to, uh, you know, Marine Corps. And each each one of those roles I was I was vetted. You know, I held a secret clearance with Department of State and DOD. So 
maybe there's security for people in that. That's the main thing, you know, know, know who you're investing with, know who the principal is and do as much due diligence on that person as you can. What would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Tenacity, I suppose, or just, you know, I, I decided, you know, back in 2016, when I was a full-time firefighter, I decided that, you know, I wanted something more. I wanted to do something different. And so I just made it a reality. You know, I just have made a plan and acted on it and taken action, I suppose. Maybe that's it. Not afraid to take action. Yeah. And then uh, how do you like to give back? We've worked with various um, various groups. Um, St. Jude's, one of, one of the ones that are, you know, the top places that we like to donate to. As an organization, you know, after I've got a two and four year old now. So just after having kids, I can't really think of any any group, demographic group that's more deserving than, you know, innocent kids. So pretty near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. David, grateful for your time and giving back to us, uh, for sure. Uh, Grateful for your transparency, just walking through this exit as well uh, with us. I think that's helpful for everybody listening, whether they're active or passive. I think I don't want the passive investors to discount that. Like I, you know, um, I think you're you're minimizing risk for everybody involved there. And, and uh, but even walking through, you know, some of your key hires, how you all brought uh, construction and property management in house, uh, you know, in the the things that helped you all to scale quickly. It's just I, mean, I get questions about it all the time about scaling, right? Everybody wants to get there fast, you know, fast <laughs> as possible, yeah. right? I want to know those key yeah. things. Uh, and so I appreciate your, your willingness to, to share some of those things that helped you also. David, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Uh, visit our website. Uh, there's a link to my calendar on there. You can schedule a call with me or fill out the contact form. It's reapcap.com, R-E-A-P-C-A-P.com. And uh, yeah, I'm always happy to help uh, be a resource to anyone. So please reach out. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 